Hi, and welcome to the Higher Gear CIO podcast series. I'm Kelly Kierens, president of Celtic QA Solutions. In this series, we will be discussing leaders, leadership systems, and the impact on culture. Our moderator is Walt Carter, Chief Digital Officer and CIO for Homestar Financial. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate your uh, your introduction there, and I am pleased to introduce uh, our panelists today. I'm very excited to have with me uh, two really great thinkers and, uh, and communicators on this particular topic. Uh, let me start with uh, with Pat Rondoletti. Uh, Pat has been for years an executive coach, working individually with a lot of top leaders. Uh, and uh, has you know quite a track record of success there, uh, and I highly encourage everybody to uh, to go out and find uh, Pat's TED Talk uh, and uh, and pay some attention there. Um, I'm also pleased uh, to introduce everybody on the podcast today to John Vineyard. Uh, John has been a very successful coach uh, of teams of executives in their pursuit of the National Quality Award called the Baldridge Award. Uh, and John has been very successful in that as well, coaching 16 companies uh, to the win of the Baldridge, which, which may be some kind of record, I think, John. Uh, but, uh, you know, bottom line is, you know, when, when we come together, we're going to look at, you know, some of the touch points between, you know, what, what has Pat learned all these years of coaching individual leaders uh, what has John learned uh, in coaching teams of executives? And uh, we're going to explore the concept of you know, leaders, leadership systems, and, and the impact on culture together. Uh, and I hope you guys are, are going to be uh, entertained and educated uh, from the conversation. And if not, you can turn us off fairly quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, again, we've got great expertise here. So let me just start the conversation this way, uh, you know, and, and Pat, I'm going to throw this first one to you. Uh, you know, you, you've been working with individual leaders uh, for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, kind of an, a, a no-brainer question, maybe a, maybe a bad question. But, uh, you know, if an organization of people exists, why would they need more than one leader? Why isn't one leader adequate? You know, in, uh, in my background as a military person, for instance, we always strive to create leaders at every level. Uh, and so it helped me understand, you know, how, how that, you know, has bubbled up in your coaching over the years. Yeah, I, I think the idea of leaders at every level is exactly where corporate America is right now or should be, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when I'm coaching individuals, um, I'm not coaching them so I coach at the C-suite level. I coach at the VP, um, director, um, not usually below that, usually director and above. Um, my counsel to all of my clients is that everybody in a company should be a leader. Um, everybody has to have a, um, a point of view about leadership that is about how they interface with everyone in the organization as a leader and how they lead their teams but even leading without a title, right? So um, how you show up in a meeting, in a, in a cohort, et cetera, um, shows the, the leadership skills that are not written on the job description, right? But the leadership skills that knows when to evoke um, 
insight from somebody who you see being very quiet, right? To me, that's a leadership skill, whether you are um, have an official title or not, you're paying attention, you're reading the room, I guess that's the best way to say it. And you're mm -hmm. saying, gee, this person hasn't been involved. And I coach my people on that. Like when, when you're in your, your groups and you're watching, you want to be really paying attention to who has an idea that you can see is holding it back and bring that forward and it's going to help everybody. So um, I thoroughly believe that there's a, there's a great book uh, written by Robin Sharma about the leader who had no title. Um, and it basically says everybody in a company is a leader. And so they need more, just like in, in the military, um, I think corporations need more than one, one voice of reason. So, so John, when, when you're coaching teams of executives, how does either, you know, having that capability of, uh, you know, kind of the unwritten uh, requirements of leadership versus not having that capability affect the ability of a group of exec executives to team together effectively to pursue a common goal like the Baldrige. What we're going to talk about, I think, as we get into this, Walt, is, is and Pat kicked it off so beautifully. I mean, it's leaders at all levels. Um, you may have a great, charismatic, you know, natural-born leader as your CEO. But she's not there at four in the morning when the janitor is trying to get the mall, hall mopped with three other people. Right. Okay. That, that that supervisor needs to be a leader. And that CEO needs to set direction maybe for 15 years. That supervisor needs to set direction maybe for 15 minutes. They both have to set direction. And we'll talk about that as we get into to leadership at all levels. I want to go back to something you said, Walt, about the the military and the military, I've, I've said, and I'm sure I'll offend every college in the United States, but the three great uh, schools in teaching leadership, there's one up on the Hudson, there's one in Colorado Springs, and there's one in Annapolis, Maryland, but they absolutely, and one in Groton, Connecticut, but they teach leadership. And um, I see too often, I mean, I have a master's degree in management from a well-known university, and I, th and I think back on my first position as a leader and I, you know, the natural reaction, I think, is to break down and cry because <laughs> I did not know how to lead, even though I had a master's degree in, in supposedly skills that would help. I think, I think organizations need to define very clearly what a leader needs to do. If you don't define it, if you, if you uh, and, and I, Pat and I, I think are going to get into a conversation about culture very quickly here. <laughs> but mm -hmm. if you don't define what leaders have to do, think about this. If I walk through the organization and I talk to half a dozen leaders, some at the first line supervisor level, manager, director, VP, and I ask uh, simple questions about leadership, you know, how did they teach you to lead here? What is leadership here? What are your responsibilities? How do you measure it? How do you improve? If I ask a half a dozen people, they'll all give me an answer. I'll have a half a dozen answers. And how can we be an effective corporation or organization if everyone doesn't have the same view of what our responsibilities are? And let me just use a very simple example. I remember one time we were working with Bruce Carlton and the CEO couldn't, he couldn't get his mind on what we were talking about that day. And finally I said, okay, what's going on? What's on your mind? He said, this afternoon, I'm getting my customer survey for the year, and it's the most exciting document I see all year because I, it helps me understand what my customer requirements are. 
that's where his focus was. Guess where the organization's focus is? If you think of that, that uh, custodian at four o'clock in the morning, do they need to understand customer requirements? They need to understand how clean you want the hall and by when. Mm -hmm. They need to understand. So leaders at every level have the same responsibilities, although the span of influence may, may be different. So do you find as a, as a team coach, John, that when, when, you, when you encounter that circumstance where you've got six leaders with six different views of what leadership means in that organization, or do you find that, that you know, the diversity of thought there is, you know, a, an enabler of power and, uh, you know, and, and are they coming together as one united team to deliver effectively for the company? Or, or do you see that creating, you know, more, uh, more confusion and misalignment? Um, it, it's confusion. I'd like to hear Pat's thoughts on this too, but it's confusion because what one leader thinks is expected of them is not the same as other leaders and what they think are expected of them. And um, it's fine to get the synergy out of everyone's thoughts, but let's get a common definition of what you want. I was uh, on a board of directors and, and uh, joined the board too late to stop some leadership training that they were about to do. And, and I said, you haven't defined your leadership system until you define what you want your leaders to do. Why in the world are we hiring people to come in and train? Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, I joined the board too late to stop the train. Training came in. Guess what the feedback was? You know, a year later, gee, it was generic. It didn't help pull us together. Mm -hmm. Well, no kidding. You haven't defined what you want leaders to do. Now, so, the other so, thing that I think is critical, and mm -hmm. um, it supersedes a leadership system, it supersedes almost anything else in the organization, and that's what's the culture. And I, I've seen very gifted leaders that are just absolutely adamant that they have a, a known, established, documented culture. And I said, cool, okay. And I'll walk around and talk to a half a dozen of their leaders, other executives, and they all describe the culture differently. Don't have a documented, solid culture. And, and uh, let me give you an example of one organization I did work with that had a, an incredible culture. And in fact, we can, if uh, we would be able to send their uh, behavioral standards out to the uh, attendees of this conference, Kelly could send those out. But the day we walked in the building, we had not talked to anybody. We walked in the lobby and we could feel a palpable culture in the organization. Later, we found out that every single person in that organization understood that culture. Um, one of the parts of their culture that was my favorite was, I will avoid using the phrase, that's not my job. And believe me, everyone did it. You could not sit in a meeting and determine who represented which function in that meeting because everyone was involved in the decisions. Uh, I'll tell a quick story about developing the leadership system for that organization. The CEO was dead set against, he says, I've told people how to lead. We've got our beliefs. We've got our behaviors. I don't want to do this. I said, okay, humorous. Let's develop a leadership system because we do have to document it. This is great for the, you know, you and your 25 closest friends, but what about everybody in the organization? And so he was dead set against it. And so we briefed the, 
20 top leaders on what a leadership system was. And we broke them up into three groups. And my partner and myself and the CEO did not participate in any of the groups. We rotated between the rooms. And believe me, there was no sharing between these rooms. They were three separate activities. And if you told me this could happen, I would not believe it. But I saw it. Those three rooms came back with essentially the same leadership system. And the CEO lit up like they've listened to me. It's stuck. And I mean, that leadership, he took that leadership system and that was in his DNA and he was going to drive it to every level of the organization. That's exciting to see. And that's someone who did have a leadership system, although it was informal and undocumented. But uh, in culture, uh, everybody thinks they have a culture. Um, everybody thinks they have, uh, everyone has vision, mission, values. And I was talking to a chief medical officer recently and he was telling me how established their culture was. And I said, okay, cool. What are your vision, mission, values? Anyway, he didn't even know them. You know, if one of your top executives doesn't know them, and plus they had a two-paragraph uh, vision statement, which doesn't help anybody. Um, yet we've seen organizations, and I won't name them, but we've seen organizations that all of us have seen fall apart that had rock-solid vision, mission, values. What they didn't have was the ability to drive behaviors. And vision, mission, values are like a, uh, an iceberg. Vision's way under the water, mission's underwater. Values are probably at the water level. What's above the water are behaviors. What behave, if you condone it, uh, you support it and promote it. And um, you see performing organizations where if you violate our behaviors, we'll free up your future. You know, you won't stay here. And uh, it sends a very strong message. Uh, I had a client that was having a conversation on a Baldur site visit. And uh, the CEO was being asked, what do you do with misbehaving physicians? And his answer was, oh, do you mean our highest admitting physician that we recently fired? <laughs> you know, the, he, didn't, he didn't embody our behaviors that we will uh, support. So I think, uh, Pat, Pat, I'd like to hear your comments on, on culture, but there's very little uh, more important to an organization than the culture. Vision, mission, values are fine, but you've got to have behaviors. You have to have tactics to develop, to train those behaviors, and you have measures to measure where you are with those tactics and where you are with those behaviors. Yeah. I, I think as I'm listening to you, I reflect back because I do a tremendous amount of onboarding. I have a program that I do with folks. And one of the first things that I do in the onboarding process is, you know, they've been through the interview process and everybody has decided that they match the culture. You know, you're going to be a good fit for our culture. It always comes up in the interview, right? Um, the other thing that they, um, they talk about is, um, you know, they, these are our values. And in the interview process, they want to look at the answers from the candidate and see if they match up, right? That's all great. My first um, counsel to somebody, and I usually start um, onboarding within a week to two uh, of when they land. I want to um, circumvent any missteps right from the beginning. And one of the things I tell them is that, that as soon as they start, I want them to observe what was said and what is actual. 
and look and see if there's any disconnects once they get in the role between what, you know, the, the picture that was painted and the values that were um, stressed. And our very first uh, coaching call is where, where if any, if, uh, any place, are there disconnects? Where is it showing up? <clears throat> because if this person's gonna learn how to operate effectively inside that organization, they have to not just pay attention to what's visible, the, the um, plaque on the wall, the statements, what was in the job description, but I'm really making them get out of their little bubble of I'm fresh on the job and I've got so much you know, fire hose of information coming at me and watch how leaders lead in that organization and also watch how their team um, is led, right? And how each person responds. And if they don't see consistency, we know where we're going to have to go in their training and development from me for onboarding because they're now going to have to understand each person's approach to this quote uh, value system, right? <clears throat> and that ultimately, so what am I really saying to them? Go see if the culture that you were told existed actually exists. And if it doesn't, let's see where and how the disconnect is there so that we have a strategy to, to help you adapt because you're going in to try to fit in and now you've got to fit into different compartments because there's too many. And I don't think, quite honestly, I've onboarded anybody where there wasn't a lot of confusion around what was said and what's actually taking place, right? And my passion is to make these folks just be alert to it, right? Don't keep thinking it's going to be what this was. It's big. Um, the other thing that you were talking about that I, I really want to, <clears throat> you know, you were talking about what does this leadership embody, et cetera. And my two counsels to my candidates is as a leader, you should always be thinking about your impact and your legacy, right? That's your job to go in there and make an impact and to leave a legacy, a legacy of leadership. Um, and so as we start down their onboarding journey, I'm, I'm telling them everything that you say and do can have an impact and every decision that you make can make a, leave a legacy. And, you, and I'm not just talking about the legacy of the systems um, in a, in a uh, technology organization. I'm talking about the legacy of you as a leader um, and the, the team behind that you build or, or break down in order to, uh, to, to be ready for um, their next role in leadership. So, you know, that's what you're talking about, what the team is seeing when you're in there. Think about my clients who are stepping into that, you know, talk about the military while they're there. Everybody's marching. They've got to get in step with that march. And then they find out some people are marching uh, left, right first and right, left first. And they've got to figure out what's going on inside of there. And unfortunately, they don't have geniuses like you. Oh, we lost you, Pat. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> got to get my fingers off of there. Um, what, most of the time what they have is um, they're walking into um, a military formation that does, is not in step with each other, and they're trying to figure out how to get in the midst of that. You know, and you spoke. Uh, you, I, and I talked a while back, and, and you said that one of the things that was probably the most frustrating to you in, in your, your coaching for, you know, Baldridge performance was was encountering kind of that dysfunctionality of of the individuals on the leadership team you know mm -hmm. again right in line with what pat was just talking about uh you know they're not in step with each other there are silos uh there there's power mm -hmm. plays going on uh you know there's there's a lack of willingness to look 
uh, at other parts of the organization where success is happening uh, and, and to pull that success into their group. Uh, there's a, a, a profound lack of willingness sometimes from your CEOs uh, to look outside of their organization at other things that are, that are working well in other companies. Uh, you know, how, how do you, how do you coach for that? How do you, how do you get teams to, to one, align and, and, and get in step with each other and then, you know, be willing to be open to new ideas from outside the organization? Thank you for joining us for the first part of the Higher Gear CIO podcast series. For the answer to Walt's question at the end of today's podcast, tune in to the second segment on leaders, leadership systems, and the impact on culture.